Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. It is your host, Jackie Zuck. It is another awesome day for another awesome episode of How to Become Next on Scene in your field of business or in your passion. Before I bring on my awesome guest for the week, I'm so excited to start with the marketing tip to get your week started and then also share a self-care tip to keep your week going. Um, So to get you started, keep your week going, what a healthy balance, right? Um, So marketing tip of the week. What is going to be my marketing tip of the week? I'm trying to think of what's trending right now. Um, I was recently asked by a networking group that I run how to really get pitched by TV affiliates and how to get involved with that. And the, the real truth is, is everybody in public relations and media has their own theories. What's really worked for me is showing up on Twitter and really connecting with the journalists there and also being sure to actually search on Instagram, like different editors for different magazines and publications and TV shows that you watch. Um, you'd be really surprised with how active they are on Instagram now as much as Twitter. And if you actually read about what journalists um, and editors and TV anchors are talking about and writing about and who they're interviewing, if you pay attention to that, engage in what they're doing, um, you'll have a much better opportunity to have them reciprocate when you actually acknowledge them for what they're doing. Um, I find being on both ends of the spectrum, having my own publication, I find that a lot of PR agencies, when they pitch me, they don't pay attention to anything that I do. They just pitch me what they do. And I totally subside the pitch. So really pay attention to what the media people are doing, what they're talking about, who they're interviewing, um, and things that they enjoy, um, because people just want to feel acknowledged just like you. So don't forget about that. So that's my marketing tip of the day. My self-care tip of the day is it's 4th of July weekend. By the time you hear this, it will be right after. So I hope you guys had an awesome holiday weekend. It's really important to take some time off for yourself. I hope that you guys at least are giving yourself a full day off, um, if not more than one, and are traveling or doing something nice with family or friends and staying healthy and safe. Um, I really, really hope you enjoy that. But the importance of this motto is to take a day off, right? You deserve it. Um, so that's my self-care tip of the day. Now I'm so excited to bring on my amazing guest, Dr. Natasha Aurora, who is the founder of Eat Treats and Parsnips. She is one amazing scientist doing so many awesome things. And I can't wait for you to learn all about gut health and so much more. So stay tuned for Natasha. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Becoming Next On Scene. I am so excited to be here with the amazing Dr. Natasha Aurora, one amazing rock star who is the founder of Eats, Treats, and Parsnips. Hi, Natasha. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, Jackie. So excited to have you. I guess blue's the color. You and I are both wearing blue today. How do we know? <laughs> for our audio listeners, they won't see that, but I just had to you know, say that out loud. But anyway, so tell us all about what Eats, Treats, and Parsnips is about and how you fell into the business. Yeah, happy to. So I'll probably answer them in reverse order. I started out as a scientist, more specifically a biologist, and I did a lot of work on studying the intestine and building new models so that we could study the intestine better. 
And through that time period where I was training as a biologist, I myself developed a lot of food intolerances and had to learn how to eat so that I felt well. And then once I figured that out, I started learning how to eat better when I was exercising and doing other things to really use food as a tool to feel well. And through that experience, I I learned a lot about what is not provided with our current healthcare system. So I created Eat Treats and Parsnips to help people through that process and discovering in a personalized fashion for their body what they need. And I work with people who have food sensitivities or food allergies, or people who are just trying to change their diet to feel better and understand what their trigger foods are or what foods help them feel energized and, and ready to go. Love it. And so how long have you been doing this now? This is my third year. So cool. And I remember when I first met you, I was like, where did the parsnips come from? Like, tell us about the title of the name. Like, why is it eat, treat, eat treats and parsnips? Tell us. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this one has a good story. So my brother loves to explore food with me. It's just like one of these things that we do. He just likes to ask questions about things I'm interested in because he's a good brother. And one day I was making a dish with parsnips in it. He's like, wait, what is that? It smells so good. And I gave it to him. Like, wow, this smells amazing. I was like, okay, you want to help me prep it? Start peeling. And that just became his favorite thing to do anytime I was making parsnips. He's like, I'll peel. So when I was thinking about names for the business, I wanted a food that was something that maybe people didn't know about to pique their interest and, and invite that exploration into different foods and different ingredients and parsnips. Love it. Good fit. I mean, it definitely sticks. You're kind of like, I'm not going to forget that now because it's so random, right? Like I just feel like it's so good. Like it's memorable basically is what I'm saying. So cool. So who are the types of clients that you work with? Like what types of people come to you specifically for the programs that you offer? Yeah, so usually two types of people, um, people who have IBS or other GI issues where they are trying to figure out what their trigger foods are, what starts their symptoms. And then there are also people who know how to eat to feel well because they've tried a number of diets over the years but they haven't been able to make it a sustainable lifestyle. And so they go from different diet to different diets. Like, well, when I was on keto, I felt good, but then this was why I couldn't maintain it. And then when I tried this other diet, I didn't feel well. And then I tried this other diet and I did feel well. And so we take all that and figure out from their experiences without having to go through more trial and error, what is likely a good way for them to eat and take their experiences of why they fell off the wagon, if you will, and then combine all that together in a way that is sustainable and a slow change from where they are now to where they would like to go. Love that. I love the slow change too, because it's like the fast results are never never end up great long-term, right? I mean, you would know that better than, yeah, so good. So in terms of how people work with you, is it like a one-month trial? Is it like, tell us more about that too. Yeah, so when clients come in, we do a free consultation initially so that I can understand what their goals are and what their experience has been with food, what the relationship is. And then from there, we outline a plan. I have different service packages for different types of needs. Some are identifying trigger foods. Some are just creating meal plans for a few weeks to get them started. And then there's a la carte options where we just figure it out. You know, there's one right. client there's who I had recently. Like that. Yeah. 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 There's one client I had recently where we started on an a la carte 
kind of situation and then got to a point where he said, you know what, I think I'm ready for this package. So we switched over. Totally. And I know one year zone of geniuses talk about like gut health. So can we talk more about that and the trends you're seeing like right now? Yeah. So it's great that more and more people are appreciating what gut, gut health is and that it's even a thing. The concerns I have are two. One is that everybody thinks that probiotics and everything is good, and that's not true. The problem is that we don't really know yet which bacteria in the gut need to be in which places in which quantity and how you get them there in a great, healthy way. So the best advice is to eat foods that are naturally high in probiotics. So this would be like yogurt and sauerkraut, things like that, where these are foods that have been eaten for centuries and we know they're safe. We know that they help your, your gut stay balanced. If you start taking pills or if you start taking foods, it's like probiotics added and all this stuff, you're putting in different types of microbes into your system. They're ones that we know are healthy, but may not be healthy in such large amounts. And that creates an imbalance. And then you don't have enough of some of the bacteria that you need, but you need in smaller amounts in your system. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really important to, to not overdo it in that sense. No, that's such good advice. What other trends right now would you say are happening with your clients specifically, especially, with, I mean, does the climate affect that at all or not really? Not, not too much. Um, I, I see a lot more people being mindful of what they're eating. And instead of coming in and saying, oh, I'm supposed to just eat these healthy foods, help me eat them. They are, they are in tune with how they're feeling And they have some hints of, well, I think maybe I can't eat gluten, but I'm not really sure. And so we'll, we'll go through it and figure it out. And sometimes they can, sometimes they can't. Sometimes they, um, one, one really common one with IBS patients right now is that they go on a gluten-free diet, which for many of them, it helps, but it can help for a couple different reasons. But they're also patients who go on a gluten-free diet and they don't feel any better And one of the reasons is because they need to eliminate other foods in addition to the gluten-containing foods. And the other reason is because they don't really change their diet. They just replace regular wheat bread with a gluten-free bread. And I'm so guilty of that. Just putting that out there that I've been there and I'm like, this isn't making me feel better, like at all. Right. And you know what? It probably is at that point, one of two things, either the processed ingredients in those foods that you're eating, your body just can't deal with it right? or deal with it in that quantity. It's not to say you can never eat it. Mm -hmm. Or a lot of the ingredients that they use instead are refined starches. And that tends to irritate a lot of people's systems as well. So the best thing for a healthy gut, regardless of where your status is, is to eat a diverse range of foods. And our culture right now focuses a lot on wheat and and garlic and onions and dairy, but you have to mix it up. You need that variety. And so having, say, a piece of toast for breakfast and then pasta for lunch and then a rice dish and, and like mashed potatoes and cake, like that you're just eating a lot of starches and a lot of the 
same ingredients every day and that's not going to lead to a healthy gut. So true. So good. I'm filled with so many facts, Natasha, always. So tell me about this flexitarian diet, by the way. What is this? <laughs> what is this? So, so it's kind of like, it, it's basically people saying that there is a compromise between being a strict vegetarian or only eating plant-based. It's, it's a happy middle ground. And I think it's a, it's a good way to be. I'm glad there's finally a word for it. Um, but again, it goes back to having a variety of ingredients and foods in your diet. You do need some ingredients and come in meat. If you're a strict vegan or vegetarian, it really takes effort to make sure that you meet all of your nutritional needs. It's not impossible, but it takes effort. And then if you have any other restrictions on top of that, sometimes it, it just doesn't work. Right. And then vice versa, if you've been consuming a lot of meat and not eating a lot of plants and vegetables and fruits because your plate is full of not to be cliche, but meat and potatoes, you're also missing a lot of nutrients. And right. so you, you have to balance that. And Makes that's sense. kind of where this flexitarian comes from. Right. I like the name. I'm like, yeah. I just, like I said, I always learn things from you. This is so good. I'm from out and it's like, what are these words? Natasha's teaching us so much information. So cool. All right. And then also food is medicine. So like, let's talk about that more too. Yeah. So people are realizing the healing power of food too, not just generically, oh, if I eat too many carbs, I don't feel well, but knowing that certain ingredients actually help them. And we're at the very beginning of this in a scientific capacity. It's It's been known in old cultures for a long time, certain foods or, or herbs have healing powers, but we've lost a lot of that knowledge. And then translating it into eating things regularly now is, is something we're trying to figure out. And then, of course, we like to know the science behind it. What are the compounds? What are the combinations of food? Like turmeric, for example, is one that is a, a superfood these days, right? But it's been around for a long time. In Indian culture, it's been used for centuries to fight inflammation, among other things. But the trick is that it has to be in conjunction with black pepper if you're eating it. And the reason is because there's an enzyme that makes the key component in the turmeric functional and work in your body. If you don't have that black pepper, the efficacy is much lower. So you're not really getting the full benefits. Wow. Like who would think that though? So what does it taste like with black pepper? It tastes like it really anything else. Like I made um, an omelet for lunch today and I just put turmeric and black pepper on it because why not? Mm -hmm. You know, I was going to put black pepper anyway. The turmeric adds very little flavor. It's kind of like paprika in a sense where the flavor is pretty minimal and you don't need a huge quantity. Totally. I want to hear from your take too. Like when it comes to like sweets, like what are Natasha, Dr. Natasha's okay sweets to have? Oh man, great question. So I have a terrible sweet tooth. Um, That's why I'm like, tell me all the things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a couple tricks that I use and I, I help clients with this as well is to have portion control. And there are a lot of different ways you can do that. And then also when you have something sweet, if it can be something that you make yourself, you have two tools at your disposal. First, you can make it so that it just has less sugar. 
And that's one of those slow changes. You'll slowly realize you don't need that much sugar. I used to pre-pandemic make a lot of sweets and baked goods and give them to friends, family, colleagues. And the number one comment that I would get back was after, oh, yay, thank you, was I don't feel bad after I eat your pie, your cookies, whatever. Like, what is the secret? How, how do you do this? And the answer is just less sugar. It, it really doesn't take that much. Like you can make cupcakes, they can be delicious. And instead of putting say a half of cup of sugar or a third a cup of sugar in the batch, you put three tablespoons of sugar and they still bake, they're still fluffy. You still get the texture but you don't have all that sugar. And then the second tool at your disposal, if you're making your own baked good, is if you do have a low sugar or even sometimes a no sugar dessert, then you add that sweet thing on top. And what it does is the sugar hits your palate first and you get that feeling of sweet stuff, but you're not eating large amounts of sugar. Love that. So what would be like a plain, you're using as an example, like maybe fruit being added Mm -hmm. to like, what would be plain that you would put on that? Like if I was just eating straight up like strawberries or something? Yeah. Like what would you eat with that? Yeah. So if I wanted to turn strawberries into more of a dessert, I would put them on a little bit of plain yogurt with some granola that I made with less sugar. And then I would drizzle a little bit of maple syrup on top for that extra sweetness because that hits your tongue first. I love it. You need to make a cookbook. (laughs) In the meantime, I do have, uh, I think it's over 300 recipes now on my website. So feel free to check those out too. Okay. Everybody needs to check that out. Okay. So this has been so inspiring. Before we play game time, tell everyone how they can check out your website, inquire for a consultation, all the things. Yeah. So the website is eats treatsandparsnips.com. You can also find us on all the social media. On Instagram, it's eats, treats, parsnips. On Facebook, it's eats, treats, and parsnips. And on Twitter, it's eats, parsnips. The links are also all on the website. So I was going to say, go to the website and you'll find everything, yes, right? Yes. And all, yeah. Dr. Natasha Aurora on Google. I'm sure you'll find everything too, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You'll find some of my science stuff, but you'll also find all the each treats and parsnips. So cool. All right. Yes, love I that. Do. I want to talk about your fun facts because this was super interesting to me. All right. Sure. So you haven't eaten gluten, wheat, onions, or garlic since 2014 and you don't miss them. So did you have a bad experience when you made them or like what would... Yeah. So during um, pre-2014, long before, I could eat everything and I felt fine. And then I went through a period where I just didn't feel well and I was trying to figure out what was going on. And through a series of information gathering and trial and error, I figured out what the foods were that were causing me to not feel well. And turns out not feeling well when eating garlic and onions is extremely common. We all know that gluten sensitivities are very common for different reasons. And so those are foods I just stopped eating and I, I, I don't miss them. I've found replacements for all of them. And okay, I, so I, what, what are, what are Nata- Dr. Nikasa's <laughs> replacements? What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. So garlic, I didn't use too much to start with, but um, I personally am okay with garlic infused olive oil. So if I really want the flavor, I can do that. There are also chives that I can eat that are fine. Leeks are fine. So the kind of gets the garlic onion flavor a bit. And then if I'm doing something like Indian food where the base of some of the dishes is 
pureed onion, it's, it's hard to replace that. But I found turnips or sometimes radishes are a pretty good replacement for onions in that case too. And then- Love that. So this kind of like ties into your second fun fact about loving a good challenge because you always find yes. good replacements. This is yes. so cool. So what's the most unique dish you've ever made? Oh man, that is a tough one. Um, one of the most challenging ones I had was making a version of chicken tikka masala that didn't have any dairy or onion in it because I didn't want those things. So I started with turnips and uh, tomato paste, and then I layered in a bunch of other veggies like bell peppers and radishes. And I think there's something else in there. I haven't made it in a little while. The recipe's on my website if you want to check it out. Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So That's freaking awesome though. You're so creative. I it's wanted to eat ever, it. Right? So, it really yeah. Is. yeah, I just, I had a craving and I was like, well, I'm going to figure out how to do this. <laughs> I love it. The answer is never no. Just no for now, right? Exactly. I that. I love exactly. that. And if somebody feels like the answer is no, like come to me, I'll help you find an answer. It, it may take a little while, but we will find a way. So true. All right. So prior to starting ETP, you learned as a PhD from Harvard Medical School and completed a postdoctoral studies in gut health, right? At MIT. Yes. That's very cool. Yes. So how long did that did it take you to go through that process? A long time. The PhD was six years and the postdoc was three years. So after finishing college, it was another nine years of school and training. Well, listen, Natasha, it paid off. This is very impressive. <laughs> You're creating such an awesome business and you need a recipe book. Write that down because I'm yep. telling you in a couple of years time, I see that happening. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks, Jack. Oh, I anytime. All right. So before we play game time now, be sure to check out Eats, Treats, and Parsnips on all social media channels and Natasha's awesome website. So Natasha, are you ready for game time? I'm ready. Awesome. So what is Dr. Natasha's favorite food? Favorite food. Um, it's a toss-up between potatoes, strawberries, and mangoes. What a combo. Like what a like, you know, well, strawberry and mangoes, <laughs> fine, but like potatoes. So what kind of potatoes are we talking about here? It all, all versions of potato. They are my go-to comfort food. I love it. I love, so sweet potatoes. They're good, but they don't, they don't hit that comfort factor. Interesting. Yeah. So would you say mashed potatoes or baked would be like your go-tos? Usually mashed potatoes or some sort of like hash brown teeter tot situation going on. Sounds pretty good. Love it. All right. Second question. If you could wear the same outfit for the rest of your life from head to toe, what would it be and why? Oh man, that um, ironically is really easy because I've been doing that for a while. It's usually a gray t-shirt, jeans, and my cowboy boots. Love it. Cowboy <laughs> boots. That's so fun. What color are we talking? Um, I have three pairs. My most fun ones are like a bronzy brown and teal. Pretty. Uh, yeah. That's really fun. I love it. Such a badass move. Like. <laughs> so fun. Okay. Where's your favorite place you've ever traveled? And what's a bucket list place you've never been you want to get? Mm, favorite place I've traveled was Alaska, mostly because I love the middle of nowhere. Um, the Grand Tetons are also really, really nice. And bucket list place would be, I think Iceland maybe is on the list. Very For what reason? I really want to see the Northern Lights. It's been something I wanted to see since I was like four years old. So, so cool. 
Yeah. I'm still trying to understand like how that even happens. You're the scientist, you would know. Yeah. <laughs> we need a whole separate podcast. Oh, we do? Okay. Well, I'm down to do that one time. <laughs> okay. So no, but really though, is there like a brief, like, is it really like a long thing of what goes into that? It has to do with the, the magnetic fields around the planet and how it kind of like bends the light. So cool. Yeah. I saw like on a TV show, they had it recently and it was like green and then red. And then I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. So cool. All right. Really, really good choices. All right. Final question. If you could spend a day with somebody you've never met, dead or alive, who would you choose and why? Oh, wow. Um, that's a tough one. It could I be don't... more than one. Some people answer more than one. That's totally fine. Yeah. I, I don't have one person, but I have a type of person that I really oh, like. Okay. I've, yeah. I've been enjoying a lot of biographies lately about very strong women in history. So women who have created their own path and gone against some of the societal norms, dealt with a lot of adversity, and just trying to figure out how to have their voice and and also make a difference in the world at the same time. I love that. So who would be somebody, I mean, there's got to be somebody you want to like sit down and ask questions. So there, there's a, a long list, but um, yeah, there was a book I read about, there was actually a series that I read that was really good. One was about Audrey Hepburn. One was about Coco Chanel. One was Georgia O'Keeffe and then um, Julia Child. So the what great ones. Yeah, no, it was, it was a great series. Such diverse backgrounds and like what they accomplished in life. So cool. You're awesome. This has been so fun. <laughs> so <laughs> tell everybody again how they can follow you on social, stay in touch and inquire. Yes. So the website is eatstreetsandparsnips.com. At the bottom, you will find all of the links to the socials this is the easiest way to get there. And there's also a button to sign up for the free consultation on the website, or you can just email us at contact at eatstreetsandparsnips.com do it. This was so fun. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, Jackie. Yeah, anytime. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to Becoming Next on Scene, and stay tuned for who's next on Scene. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on Scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene.